So what what do you think? Do these films have any staying power or legacy? I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> I mean, I God Almighty, Henrik, I hate you. <laughs> it will haunt my nightmares. <laughs> And listeners, welcome to the Flick Lab, the bi-weekly film podcast that takes you to a tour all around the world and film genres. And look at that, it's the obligatory Christmas episode, once again, once once more in, in time. And today, with me here, it, at the studio, we also have the man who, uh, we also have the man who puts not in the egg knot, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> And we also have our mainstay, friend, third host these days. The man who is here to remind us all that Santa Claus has a big white beard, dresses in red, and gives away free shit, making him practically a communist. Zach, exactly how is your um, disgusting American hell holiday? It's as to be expected when dealing with hellish people and family. Well, so it's going to be a great American Christmas. Yeah. And and in our defense, Zach, it was you who chose chose to join us and not the other way around. That is true. You know, when it comes to hellish people and all that. That is true. But you know, there's degrees of hellishness, and you guys are the lesser. Well, we we can just just wait and see exactly how you feel about that at the end of today's episode. Very true. Because this Christmas's great gimmick, the bright idea that we had, was that we each. Choose one film that centers around Christmas or winter, and that leads us into three movies that we all watched and are here gonna talk about today. Two of them were really mediocre, and one of them was a real masterpiece. <laughs> if you say so, I, I I most certainly do. And seeing how I'm I'm the one hosting today, I don't. I'm not gonna let you to have like. Any any other ideas or make any statements to the contrary? I, I, will, I, I will work very hard to not insult the quality of the film that you chose. Well, let, let me remind you, man, that my pick was Prime A Finnish film material, <laughs> which may, means that to you it's international cinema and therefore good. <laughs> I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> it has that 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 foreign mystique. It has. <laughs> but yeah, let's kick this one off with. I I guess we can we can go in in the order of of picks. I'm I'm not gonna name drop exactly what we all had. I I let you guys you know voice out what were your films once we land on them. But if we go in the order of of Zach. Curry and and my pick for for, for the last to, to close nicely close up the the episode. I, I guess we can you know start and Zach. Why don't you tell us all about what was your pick for today's episode? What did we see? Thanks to you, man. I chose probably the greatest American Christmas film 
a film that, that says is a lot about America. <laughs> a film that is watched and rewatched and rewatched every year by many families during Christmas time, and that would be the 1989 classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, starring Chevy Chase. It is. I mean, I would say other than maybe it's it's a wonderful life and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I mean, I would say it's up there with like classic American Christmas films. And boy, I think it's just so fun because uh, Chevy Chase is just hilarious. The entire cast, I think, is hilarious, and I think it's just um, a great snapshot of American Christmas. That's my sort of general thoughts. We can go. I can go into more detail if you'd like. Well, I'm I'm not, I'm going to say National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a is a bad film. All I'm all I'm gonna all I'm gonna <laughs> notice is that since since we are gonna start talking about the film in question, you know, the the only thing I can do, like the only thing you know, help me go through with the experience of kind of revisiting Christmas Vacation is. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now we can talk about National Lampoons. Hold on, I gotta get, I'm gonna get my eggnog. One sec. <laughs> gotta get my matcha. So I would love to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Because this is, I think, very typical American experience. You know, family coming over. It's high stress. You have last minute shopping you have to do. You've got the tree. You've got the in-laws who come over that fight with your family and everyone hates each other and you're having to put on the smile. Like it, to me, it feels very like, oh my God, this is my childhood right here. This is what happened every year, you know, growing up. So I would love to know the Finnish perspective on this. Well, my personal perspective was that that most definitely was your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be like this. This reminds me of some kind of early '90s Finnish Christmas, where Christmas, where at least our family took it like death seriously. That you absolutely have to go in the middle of the woods, the ass end of Finland, on your own property, and with that high stress level to go look for that perfect spruce and saying all kinds of naughty words. Uh, sorry, sorry, Dad, but I just remember very vividly this from my childhood that we would take the entire day to go in minus 25 Celsius out there and look for the perfect tree 200 kilometers out. 200 kilometers, negative 25 Celsius. Wow. Yeah, my Christmases were nothing like that. Yeah. So you really did go out and cut your own tree because now I've never done that. That's the one thing that's that's different is I've never gone and cut a tree down. We always went to a lot, like a big parking lot where they had all the trees already cut and you just picked out the one that you wanted. Yeah, you you go get the special tree for for like 2 days, you know? It's there like at the last second you finally have it. What happens after Christmas? Well, you put it on your, your balcony, and then when it's about June, July, it looks kind of dry enough that you can throw it off the balcony and throw it to the trash. You keep your tree until summer? Well, n- normal people take it out earlier, but, you know. Yeah. Okay. Come on, Zach, you have to understand Kari here. The poor guy went and you spent two days just looking for the bloody thing. Right. True. Not gonna. If go. you're gonna spend that much yeah. time, like you might as well keep that fucker up for at least a good six months. Absolutely. But then again, again, that was 
basically all just Curry's dad's fault and, and the fault that Curry's dad had a misconception about the whole getting the tree thing. What what are you doing on a Christmas day? Are you getting one of those plastic shits? No, of, of course not. But the point is not to, to look for like, like <laughs> the special perfect tree. That the whole main thing of getting Christmas tree is is going to someone else's yard and stealing the tree. Like, oh. like that that's that's why you actually go and fetch it. That's what you do. Well, <laughs> we have property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thanks to that, these days apparently you also have childhood trauma. <laughs> I actually could still learn something about the real Christmas that is supposed to be a pain in the ass. You buy the gifts, you make great efforts and and strides and you buy it for all the family members like there has to be at least 50 for everyone. Okay, and you have the Christmas tree, you have to have the perfect meal, everything has to be perfect. And at the end of the day, when everybody is finally sat on the tables and eating their goddamn whatever, locks, everybody is completely tired, and they fall on the sofa and start snoring in two hours. See, that's, that, that, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing that, that you just nailed, nailed it in the head. The, that, that idea about about you know, having to buy the perfect gift and all that, that's very kind of materialistic way of looking yeah. at Christmas, very American way of looking at Christmas. To, oh, to at least to my family and to me, the main thing about Christmas is that... Consumption. You, you have something and you from that something that you have, you give to others and there's that, that gift of giving that happens. Just like your neighbor has trees in his backyard and he unknowingly gives one to you and you have a Christmas tree. Unknowingly being a very key word there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, you know, it, it just helps, you know, to keep the the act of giving pure, the soul humble. Hmm. But Henrik, this is this was the Finnish Christmas, really. I think for for most folks out there, and something now happened. Suddenly, there's the internet, and everybody gets lazy. Something around this time happened. Now it's the plastic Christmas tree, if that, and the gifts. I don't know, gathering together, maybe for a few hours if we can stand each other. Yeah, I, I honestly, honestly, to actually have a, have a real talk for a moment, I really don't know, because for my family, certainly, yeah, we did have the tree, and that was kind of a, a big thing for our Christmas also, and we, of course, also did have presents and all that plastic shit, but the main idea always was that that the, the family that you have, like, like the, the, the center family, the kids and the parents and perhaps your granddad get together on on one day and we didn't have like we, we didn't have the situation that you have for example in in national lampoons where it's basically the in-laws that you don't want and the <laughs> grandparents you don't want to see and your asshole cousin that you just wish wouldn't show up but he he does and now you have to invite him in we didn't have like that experience we Basically, that the food on our table was shared with people that we wanted to share it with. Yeah, our Christmas tables are a little bit different, I believe, between the US and, and Finland. But apart from that, still gotta say, I am a little bit disappointed with Christmas nowadays. Because nobody wants to make any effort for us coming together and 
having kind of the cool things. I don't really care about the Christmas presents, but at least, you know, we could at least make the food together to some extent. But we don't even do that. You just go to the supermarket. Okay, box of stuff here, box of stuff there. Heat, done. No! See, it's interesting. In the States, we have this other thing that happens right before Christmas. It's called Thanksgiving, which we just celebrated three days ago. And it's the same thing as Christmas, except there's none of the tree and Santa and everything. But it's still family getting together. There's a big fancy meal that people have cooked. It's usually, you know, all the in-laws and the cousins and everyone... And you just sort of get together and have family time. And then afterward, everyone goes to the couch and people start falling asleep and, you know, snoring while other half are trying to watch football or something, Hmm. American football. And (laughs) so we have that bit. And so I think sometimes we can split the things up. We can say, okay, we're going to do all the fancy food and all the cooking where it takes you three days to cook everything. And we're going to get the big table out and we're going to add all the extra chairs so that we can fit everyone at one table. And we tend to do that on Thanksgiving. And then Christmas can be a little smaller and can be more about just getting gifts because you sort of just did the whole big meal thing. So you don't have like your cousin and an uncle and uncle's daughter and dog and some people do. I think it depends on what, how much your family likes each other. Hmm. So, in the end, it's nothing like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It can be. I think. It, I think it depends on on the family and depends on where your family lives. Um, but but in, I mean, in in Christmas Vacation, everybody's just a bunch of horrible assholes, and nobody yeah. likes each other. Well, I mean, when you say they're a bunch of horrible assholes, they're just American. Well, that's exactly what I just said. <laughs> Yeah, they are. I mean, I cannot remember a Thanksgiving that did not end without drama, without someone yelling at someone. I mean, that's very typical. But I also think it's very typical for a lot of Americans who don't have their shit together because they don't go to therapy and they don't talk about their problems. They just, you know, kind of sweep them under the rug and hide them under the bed. And then whenever all the family gets together, the once or twice a year that we do, that's when all the drama gets to come out. So in some ways, it can be very sort of traditional to have all the good family drama and all the yelling and bickering and arguing. One thing that really struck me about National Lampoon is that how materialistic, like how conspicuous consumption is going on. Conspicuous consumption, exactly. Amen to that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think that to me is the most American part of it, is the conspicuous consumption. This, uh, I mean, it is capitalistic to the its degree i mean this this guy working so hard to try to just get as much material things as he can and get this swimming pool and he writes a $7500 deposit <laughs> which that was $7500 back in 1989 which would be uh, i mean well over $10,000 now he writes a, a hot check a check he does not have the money for thinking he's going to get this Christmas bonus, which then the fact that he doesn't get the bonus and that the the boss is all like, oh, yeah, that's how I'm going to save money is not give bonuses. Yeah. Again, but, very capitalistic. But we still have 75,000 of those Christmas lamps or whatever. Yeah. Approximately. <laughs> but but in, in fact, more more than just what Clark does, I, I think the the basically the most disgusting aspect when it comes to materialistic aspect of of Christmas vacation is the fact that the world around Clark also kind of judges and deems him qualified to to be 
a father and a husband based on his material consumption. Like you, Zach, you you brought up the swimming pool, which is one of the one of the key elements that go like underneath the surface of, of the film's narrative. It's being brought up repeatedly, and in in the early parts of the film, when when it's first time mentioned, it's in the it's in the office when Clark makes the notion to his his coworker, his colleague, that he has like deposited a check and he's going to get this this swimming pool and. What really kind of piqued my ear in that moment is the fact that the co-worker makes the statement, and I quote, you are the last true family man. So, because he wants a swimming pool, that qualifies him as a family man. And more precisely, the last true family man. Nobody else is as much, much family man as Clark, because Clark wants a swimming pool. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I think it definitely creates this idea of the the man who it's I think specifically the man. I think it's very gender rolled there. The man who buys shit for his family and as opposed to buying shit for himself, golf clubs, a boat for himself, whatever. But he's buying shit for his family is this idea of oh no, that's a good American dad you're buying shit, buying shit, buying shit, filling your children's lives with just more and more materialistic things, that is the perfect American dad. Yeah, it's a very fucked up way of viewing things. I kind of felt that as the movie went on, it was perhaps kind of conscious about how much shit they have at the house. There is this, I don't know, the rolling thing, or what is it that you have? It Kind of a carousel, and yeah, the, the cussing kind of crashes on that, and all the wings fly apart, kind of maybe pointing the, the excessiveness. I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely certain yeah. about that. Like, I, I exactly see where you are coming from, and you might be right, in which case the film is a lot smarter than I perhaps give it credit to, but I, I'm not 100% certain that, the, that that's actually the point that the film tries to make instead of just celebrating the materialism and the shallowness of, of, of the Christmas. Because, uh, like, like, you already, like you mentioned, there is the, the idea of, of destruction of material in Clark's house. It actually becomes one of the running themes that, that shit gets destroyed and Clark just drags it outside next to the driveway in, in the, into the garbage pile that starts to form up. And yeah. as that pile forms up, it's always to notion that Clark's Christmas gets ruined. So basically the, the worst things get for Clark's perfect Christmas and Clark being family man, more and more his material shit gets re- destroyed. Yeah, but I got the uh, feeling that it's not like an exclamation mark over this cons- consumption in the movie. So I think nothing really raises up as as this kind of a the thematic there uh, apart from it making fun of the the family Christmas in, in general, the family relationships. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Like, like, I, like I said, like I said, it, it comes down to readings. Mm. And as, as already mentioned, I can't like vouch that my reading is, is right. I can't see there much to be read. It's I think there's nothing really even to follow here. It's just a bunch of collection of random events. Yeah. I do think that, yeah, there... You could definitely do some deeper reading, I think, if you wanted to. So when you look at when he's stuck in the attic 
and he's trying to find clothes from stuff and he finds all the old reels of like home footage of Christmases. And he's watching this, these foot, this footage of Christmases from the fifties and the fifties in America, I'm sure like many other places, was a very idyllic, well, for white people, very idyllic. It was the beginning of the, the growth of the middle class. It's when people were buying homes and raising families. And I think his sort of longing for that and I think is an, an interesting juxtaposition between his longing for that childhood time when everything's perfect when you're a child and, you know, Santa gets you what you want and you have a perfect little family and everyone's happy and everyone's there. And he's trying to recreate that, except now he works for some Fortune 500 company and he's got to, like, make that money and try to make that happen. I think I think there probably are some interesting lines that are built through there that that could be looked into and those might be sheer coincidental that just the audience is look is finding and they weren't intended to be put there by the filmmaker but there's some I, interesting lines there i i don't know about unintended because with the with those old home movies and this this whole obsession that clark has about the perfect christmas that he remembers that he's certain that he had in his childhood something that you actually notice from those home movies is that that conception or, or that idea is something that's not based on actual reality. The Christmas that you see in the home movie reels, it's much more shittier. And for example, the, the granddad or the uncle is much more meaner than, or at least appears to be much more meaner than, than Clark paints him out to be as he makes the repeated notion that, that, this is like a Griswold traditional Christmas where everything is perfect. Mm. I feel that the many of the jokes on the setting is, at least now, it feels like it's, it's on such of a base level that I've seen this, sorry to, to paraphrase Henrik, <laughs> the, I've seen this a million times before and done better. Well, maybe it's not completely fair. It's an old movie. But even in Krampus, the brief moment when we have that family hassle in the house, I thought that was much more fun than in National Lampoon. Yeah, the National Lampoon has not perhaps like truly stand the test of time. There again, in, in National Lampoon's defense, you you have to kind of remind, remember two things. The first one is that, well, this is a National Lampoon film, and this comes from the, the original production line of National Lampoon movies. So this is kind of offshoot of the the magazine National Lampoon, which I'm not super familiar with, but what little I have actually been able to to familiarize myself with with the magazine, especially now in preparation for this episode, then the magazine itself is very much kind of a a crapshoot of jokes where you have like high brow, low brow, you have text, you have image jokes. It's basically just a magazine that celebrates of and throwing absolutely everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And Christmas Vacation kind of does the exact same thing, especially if you start to give it credit for having some type of smarter, more deeper commentary about the, the American Christmas tradition. And a second second part that plays, in my opinion, a big role in exactly the, the way how Christmas Vacation has has lasted the, through the times is, is that 
National Lampoon very much was like the, the original. The, the, it was the film line that, at least to my under, to my understanding, introduced a lot of the comedic material or the or the comedic framework that these days has has become like trope. Yeah. Almost like there is the, the first film that National Lampoon released, and this is actually one that I I really like, even though it too has aged poorly, would be Animal House, which is kind of a proto-film for the, the college teen comedy, like these days you have American Pie and that lineup of, of American comedies, and Animal House would be kind of a proto-film for that. And from that I would say that there is a huge possibility that Christmas Vacation also is the proto-version of of this type of slapstick annual seasonal comedy movies that these days have been done to death. As Henrik knows, I'm this uncivilized heretic who has largely skipped a lot of American hit movies. And as you can probably guess, this is the first National Lampoon that I've seen probably ever. I, I don't recall anyway seeing any National Lampoon film before. Not sure if that's a benefit or... Not a benefit in this case. I feel that I may be losing something from the character development, if any, from the earlier films. Just kind of jumps into it. I I also haven't seen like the whole lineup. I also had hadn't seen Christmas Vacation before. You know, checking out for for a two days episode. Mm. But from from the little that I've seen, National Lampoon's movie and uh, movies and. It wasn't originally a big lineup. Like the original run was it something like five or six movies in total. But I'm I'm under the impression that this is kind of unofficial sequel to National Lampoon's Vacation, which would be the mm. the film where these characters are the first time introduced, including the cousin Eddie, who just kind of appears out of blue nowhere in. In Christmas Vacation. But outside of that, I don't believe that there is any kind of a larger connection or any type of shared universe with National Lampoon films. Like to contrast this, the Christmas Vacation to Animal House, there's not one carryover character from that film. But so, uh, language, something that hit me in Bunny, or excuse me, we, we don't talk about that film yet. The Henry's pick <laughs> uh, was that there were some things that made it more hilarious when you know the Finnish language and the, the word choices and the way that some words are said. And there might be something about National Lampoon. There are some things that I missed, even though online, of course, if I check, my my English level is so high. It's C2. It's, it's better than Zach. It's better than Zach. So... <laughs> It's impossible for me to miss anything, really. Just for the sake of argument, I there could be some moments that we miss as the dirty foreigners. I I mean that's possible, I suppose. I, I there's nothing that's coming to mind that I think was like super subtle. That was you know because this this film's many things, but subtle is not one of them. It's I, I think I think the jokes are pretty broad, but I mean I guess there could have been one or two, but nothing that rings that comes to my mind. Yeah, 
Okay, but uh, Zach, are are the Christmas Christmases uh, as excessive as it is shown in the film? You kind of answered that it can be had with Uncle and the Uncle's dog and blah blah blah. But it, does it have to be so perfect and keep this kind of an image for your family? That oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure every family is different, but yeah. oh yeah, I mean uh, the keeping up appearances, or as we would say, keeping up with the Joneses. Hmm. Um, is very important to a lot of people making sure that the house is spick and span perfectly clean that the the wrapping paper has been done just right all the bows are perfect the tree perfect the plates and, and the forks and the knives perfectly set at the table you know the turkey per like i mean there is definitely a lot of pressure to make sure that you are putting out this appearance of we have all our shit together right. and for a lot of people, I think that really is the root of the stress is we got to make everything perfect. Uh, my husband is not a big fan of holidays. He does not like Thanksgiving. He does not like Christmas because that's the part he doesn't like. He doesn't like the stress and everyone putting on the this sort of appearance of we have to make things look perfect. His family is not big on that. They're very much like, oh, yeah, just you know, come over whenever you want to. We'll be eating around this time. You can come then. You can come later. Up to you. Uh, we'll be in pajamas eating lunch. You know, we're not going to all put on our Christmas best and put on a dress and a suit and a tie. We're not doing that shit. Uh, so they're very laid back, which is a very nice relief coming from the way I grew up, which was more everyone needs to be dressed well. Everyone needs to make sure everything looks perfect. Yeah, it's wicked stressful, man. And it's just family coming over. It's not like you're, it's not like the goddamn president is coming over for dinner. If the president's coming over, sure, let's make sure that we swept the rug. But it's just family. Calm your tits. It, it's <laughs> the prayer of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is another interesting thing, is that Christmas, because because Christianity is the, the most popular religion in the United States, even though it is greatly on its on the decline... Um, it, 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 this is primarily a religious holiday. However, for many people, even people who are religious, Christmas is also a secular holiday. Yeah. And definitely for non-Christians, it is a secular holiday. So the whole decorating a tree, having a big family meal, gift giving, none of that shit has anything to do with Jesus. Um, now you will have people who want to go sing Christmas carols who, especially if they're Catholic, they're going to go to uh, mass on Christmas Eve night at midnight. You're, you're definitely going to have the, the Christian part of it, but those traditions I think are becoming less and less important as America becomes a little more and more secular. And I say, thank God for that. And I recognize the irony of saying, thank God for that. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that's sort of the great thing about Christmas is you can sort of tweak it to match whatever your background or whatever your sort of traditions are. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like also like culture wars here tonight. I noticed that increasingly it seems that, well, you have the American film and now we have to, suddenly we have a lot of fucking Finnish films here. You know, we well, want to show well, off with our Finnish quality productions versus your before before best we get into that. Let me ask something about Finnish traditions, sort of related to that. I mean, is the I mean, I'm assuming th that Finland is much less religious than the states, correct? It's I think it's one of the most secular countries 
in the world. Estonia seems to be a little bit of a bit of ahead of us. Is there like thirty percent, if that even anymore, of people who say that they are religious? So then, Finland most definitely is is a less religious or at least less ritualistic about its religion than than what America is, mm. but. Christianity still runs extremely deep in Finnish nature and the kind of the osmosis of Finland. Would that be Catholicism? No. Uh, we have the Lutheran version of it. Oh, Lutherans. Okay. So then that w- so then I'm assuming most Christmas things in Finland are not religious based. They're more secular. Yeah, they're very secular nowadays. I wonder if that's the case. Why? Now we are kind of half-hearted about Christmas. That, yeah, maybe we cook, maybe we don't. Maybe not somebody cleans, maybe not. Maybe we gather, maybe we don't. So it's become a, this kind of a thing. And I, I don't really like this half version either. Either do it properly or don't do it. Well, you're also doing it at the end of December, which, I mean, I'm assuming you guys have already had like 17 feet of snow at that point, right? <laughs> it's been a little tough with the snow lately because of climate change. Hmm. But I mean, I, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe when you live there and you experience that every single year, it's like, oh, there's thirty feet of snow. Oh yeah, who who cares? It's just another Tuesday. Mm. Um, so I, I, but I wondered if that if that makes things more difficult, and the fact that do you have mm. other holidays like we have Thanksgiving, but do you have other holidays that's purely for this is a time for family to get together, cook a large meal, and just enjoy being together. No, no. Henrik is more from from the north. He has the more northern traditions, I think. So, I think he's having fun with all the traditions that we have in our arsenal. Yeah, I try to keep up with the traditions, but then again, there really is not that many holidays or you know special events in Finland, Finnish culture that center around in the th- around the theme of coming together. Midsummer or or Johannes. Okay, yeah. Is is perhaps the largest outside of Christmas that we have that is supposed to be about about community and the community coming together. And the big def- difference between the Christmas and at midsummer is that that Christmas is you and your family, L- like the, the the closer group, and midsummer is the larger community. And that's, I mean, that's also when the community gets together to kill everyone who's older than 72, right? They have to jump off the cliff? Correct. Every every midsummer? Okay. Yeah, burn them up in the fire. Yeah, okay, great. Henrik, have you seen that? Have you seen that film? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> now I'm thinking about wooden steam rooms in the middle of the winter and gosh that's so nordic and i'm so jealous hmm. yeah yeah hmm. no- nothing really beats cold winter outdoors air and and warm sauna <sighs> thank you for joining us see you in a fortnight yeah until next <laughs> <laughs> but the other other thing that that kind of caught my eye in in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to, to actually force this, this episode and this discussion back on track. Yeah, to look at the gift of giving that Henrik is apparently a little bit short on supply lately. <laughs> <laughs> if if something I gave you guys... Herpes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't you be looking at the gift horse in the mouth. <laughs>
Yeah, so but... so Henrik, what do you think about cats? <laughs> you, you like them fried the best. It, 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 it's a it's a pretty okay musical. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> but Christmas Vacation, when it comes to, to our today's lineup, it's the only movie that also heavily deals with the, the tradition and the rituals around Christmas. This is something that, that you and Zach already brought up and talked about, that the idea of the film is that Clark tries to have the perfect perfect family Christmas. And what that means is that Clark builds the Christmas around traditions that he force forces upon others. Like the film starts precisely with the with the whole idea that that Clark forcibly drags his entire family outdoors into the woods to look for the traditional perfect Griswold Christmas tree. And that was something that I I knowing exactly how or having an idea how important traditions are for Americans during the Christmas and knowing that they are still play, at least in my household, somewhat important pro- part in, in Finnish Christmases, it was in- interesting to see that in, in Christmas vacation, the traditions didn't appear, at least to me, to exist for anything else than for the tradition's sake. Like, the, the rituals that, that Clark performs are basically performed simply for the sake of performing them, and not because there would actually be anything ga- to be to be gained from performing those rituals. Mm. I think that's true. I'll agree with that. He's got to keep up with those appearances. He's got to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, and he kind of just has to do stuff because it, it, it's stuff that you do during the Christmas. And is this the movie that you pop on every Christmas? more or less so growing up we watched this every year not at home but there was a local drive-in movie theater that was only open for two weeks during the christmas holidays and they only showed this film and it was because a local organization for americans with this developmentally disabled americans would sort of lease the property for just a couple of weeks, set up all the equipment and would show the film every night for two weeks. And you would, you know, buy your tickets to get in. And so it was really like a, like a charity fundraiser. Um, But this is the film they showed. So every year we went to the drive-in and you went to the concession stand and you got your candy or your popcorn or your hot chocolate or whatever it was. And you sat in your car or you sat in the back of a pickup truck and where I grew up, it, it, it would get cold for the winter, but not like cold, cold, not real cold. Uh, and yeah, we would watch this movie every year at the drive-in. Okay. Henrik, what's your history with the film? I have always known that the film exists. This is uh, this is a, a, a quote-unquote classic film. It's not a classic in Finland. Uh, that it should be. came into the shelves of, of video rentals. As a VHS, pretty quickly after the film was released theatrically. In Finland, this is called Joulupu on Kärvennetty, <coughs> which roughly translates into they have fried the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really it, it doesn't translate well. 
Yeah. But that that's kind of the kind of the Finnish title of this one. That the, the times when we had still original Finnish titles. Yeah, that's fantastic. Something most definitely has been lost <laughs> when it comes to rituals and traditions. Like and... like Rita Hayward's Avain Pakon. Mm-hmm. Classic. Or Free Willy. Pelastakaa Willy. Save the Willy. <laughs> 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 Wait, what's the one with Rita Hayworth? That's the uh, what's that? What's it? What's it called, Henrik? Jesus Christ! It, it is. It is Avain Pakon. Yeah, but in English. Uh, oh my God! I don't know because I only know Rita Hayworth, Avain Pakon. <laughs> no, you don't. It, it's 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 the one. It's the one where Morgan Freeman is in jail and the one dude digs yeah, the yeah. tunnel. Oh, the sh- the Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> And, and, and what's the name of the film in Finnish? Rita Hayward. Key to Escape. Yeah. Okay, so Escape. Well, Shawshank Redemption is based on a on a story by Stephen King. Mm. The original novel on by Stephen King is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And and what's so funny about the title? It it just gives the whole plot away. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, it, it spoils. If you like. If if you can crack it, it actually spoils the the main twist of of the film. Jesus Christ! God damn it! The Finnish film office. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> well, I I guess that's everything we have to say about Christmas Vacation. We'll come back to it. Well, we can come back to it, but the next one in the lineup, I guess, and. This is the moment in the episode when when the film starts to get better because we are back with Finnish filmmaking. Kakari, <clears throat> why don't you introduce your pick for today? So this is a, a rare exports a Finnish film that was to some degree also international. And the way that seems to be a kind of easy way to that is to include some English language to Finnish films. Seems to do the trick. So this is basically the story of Krampus with its kind of own spin where that evil Krampus, the evil Santa Claus, is, was buried somewhere under Korvatontori. And now that it's removed from there, they need to get some a bunch of radiators to get Krampus back in order and working function from that little ice cube that he is in. And he has some little helpers who are naked. That's basically the, the gist of it. Welcome to Finland. Yeah, there's a lot of dick today's episode. Yeah. Male full frontal. I mean, I have to say, speaking speaking of dicks, I am I can I am ashamed that you both picked films with dicks and that not one dick <laughs> was in my film. Not one. And I want to apologize for not carrying my weight with dick representation. It's okay. Dicks are censored in the Americas. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn puritanical roots. <laughs> so, all right, your thoughts. Rare exports is is kind of much, and I I don't know if, if even I know exactly how how the fuck did we end up here with with the feature version of of rare export. What did you wanted to see the shorter ones? Well, uh, I I more mean in tone, like. Let's just, you know, crack open also the short films. Rare Exports originally, to those who, who don't know this, uh, it, it was originally two short films. There was the, the first official, like the, like the very first Rare Export short film that became a big hit. Later on it was followed by the Safety Instructions movie, and from that we get to the feature film. And the main idea behind 
the original short movies is, is the fact that Santa Claus is real and he's like a wild animal. And like you n- mentioned, Kari, the feature version of Rare Exports goes actually pretty weirdly and quite surprisingly into the Krampus territory. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking exactly how in the fuck we landed from Santa Claus is a wild animal but real into where it's all about Krampus now. Maybe like how, how all of a sudden a wild animal became an almost cosmic evil entity. Or whatever it is. We never get this this uh, Father Christmas even moving. So kind of inanimate and non-threatening. Yeah, but it is something that I guess actively communicates with the people that it torments. Seeing how in the background story it's something like that it was too much of a pain in the ass for the Sami people, so they somehow lured it, uh, lured the, the beast into what lake ice, and and the ice gave away and posted the Krampus, the main Santa, whatever the hell it is, and and from that point, and and the, the Sami people just went on and 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 sawed off the ice block, holding the beast and buried inside of a mountain. Yeah, is this something that people internationally know, the Sami people? Does Zach know what are the Sami people? No, the yeah. stupid American does not know the Sami people. Uh, yeah, that, that, don't people? be too bad. Mo- most of the Finns also don't know what, what are Sami people. Yeah, we just l- recently have kind of woken up to the fact that maybe we should give some services in Sami language as well, because they live inside the Finland border. Um, so Those are in- the indigenous people. Yep. Living mostly in the north. Did you treat your indigenous people the way that Americans treated their indigenous people? We didn't have the blankets. We didn't have the okay. bloody blankets. <laughs> oh, all right, tip of the hat for that one. Yeah. Yeah. But trying to kind of wash off their culture in some ways. Yeah, we, we tried to be more methodical and perhaps even more dickish about it. Yeah, making fun of them. Still, even in the, in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, and basically building the entire our entire school institution around the idea of stripping them away from their own language and from their own traditions and uh, trying to use the institutionalized force to cut their ties to their own culture. Ouch. Yeah. So what, what did you feel like? Did, did you feel that this was original? Did you feel that it was having too many like American aspects trying to be... It's kind of adventurous and borrowing too much from the American material. Did you feel that it was an original story or something? I thought it was very original. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I definitely had never seen anything like it. Uh, I mean, I know the idea of Krampus, but it's not very widespread in the States. So the idea of like an evil Santa is very cool to me. I I really liked this film. I thought it was... Uh, original and different and interesting. The kid Oni Tomilia, I think I'm saying that right. Oni Tomila, maybe. Oni Tomila. I thought he was great. I, I mean, kid actors, I think, are hit or miss. Yeah. You know, the, there's either they have something special or they're just terrible. But I thought he was great, and I think it because you're right. It it is this. It is a Finnish film, but it's sort of international because there's a lot of English being spoken, and I think for for Americans, I think that makes it more accessible. And the fact that you have some sort of iconic imagery um, 
you know, the red suit and all, mm-hmm. which um, it was only recently that I learned that that is a purely American fantasy. <laughs> this was available on Amazon Prime. Ah, uh, okay. So it was entirely dubbed in English or what? No. no, it was uh, it was in English and Finnish. You know, there are parts where they're speaking English and parts where they're speaking Finnish, and then I had English subtitles for that. Gotcha. Um, I hate watching things dubbed. Hate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very accessible film. And and and, and dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, old man dicks, sure, but dicks nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it, it it has a lot like a heart. Like a herd of of two hundred dicks, yeah, approaching with, with a, a kid. with a small boy. Yeah, I felt a little <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> but you know, nudity is different for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Dicks are fine on it, screen. It it, it it still was somewhat troubling, like like mental connection. You have a little kid, kid, and and then you have this 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 like wall of naked old men with their dicks out little helpers ready to help yeah. with i don't know what <laughs> but to riff on from sax point uh i too felt that or i i too feel that this film is is very much finnish movie i <clears throat> don't think that that rare exports the feature film is that much of a like like stealing or taking or borrowing from from American cinema. More for me, the problem is that the feature film kind of tries to chuckle with God knows how many different film genres. So even though this is very much a Finnish movie, it's also a Finnish movie where it's, it it becomes increasingly difficult to pinpoint exactly what is the movie's identity. Because it's all of these different things. Is it a problem? To me, it kinda is, and I would say it's also kinda problem to the the internet or the distribution of the film. Because there is no co- cohesive idea what the genre is. The, the Nordic DVD release of Rare Exports labels it as as fantasy. The, the Finnish version labels it it fantasy slash action slash comedy internet labels it a horror fantasy or at least google labels it it horror fantasy and imdb goes and states that it's adventure <laughs> and that that's not like automatically a problem like like of course you can you can play with different genres some of my favorite films does this so like for example Evil Dead 2 and Brain Dead, which also take comedic and horrifying and also some action elements, puts them in the blender. But when you ask from those films what exactly are you, they answer we are dark comedies. Rare exports kinda can't do that. It's kinda also at least in my opinion, it's a it's a movie that that is constantly also trying to figure out what is its genre. If you ask what from rare exports, what exactly are you movie? I guess the answer is I'm a bloody amnesiac. Usually, I don't ask these questions. Like it's just my it's like my music collection. <laughs> I don't know what to call my music. It's a mixture of things very often, stylistically. Maybe the same here, but maybe maybe you're onto something. That I can't really say 
what this what this film is maybe it is a problem it's kind of a middle of the road you start to watch it as maybe as a horror movie then it becomes a little bit of an adventure then it sticks um it, it, it's it's the it's a family film at points or yeah. film aimed at children yeah and and that too like that automatically is is not a problem like like i said you know if you want to play with genres, you know, go ahead. I'm not trying to be brutish here and say that that you you have to be somehow Puritan and, and find your genre and stick to it. But the main problem I, I have with, with the feature version of Rare Exports is that there are, there are some of the genre choices that, that I like, that click with me. I do think that when it, when it, when it tries to be a horror film, it, it does that pretty damn well. Like, the moments when when the kid finds out that he's being stalked by something, or there's the butcher house scenes, or the dead reindeer herd when they find it, and they see that all these reindeers have been slaughtered mysteriously, or basically all the moments that where you have the three adults sharing the screen time. I, I think that those are pretty damn good scenes, and I, I do like, when it comes to the kid, I, I do like moments, that the more more horror film moments, like when there is this, this straw dolls start to appear. Okay. I really do like those. Or when they are driving the one captured Santa into the airport, and, and the Santa is kind of a crouching in, in his cage and just leering at the kid. And, and you get the horror movie wipe. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is great. But then there comes the, the other genres that just did not click with me. The, the dark comedic fantasy, that still worked for me. But then there is like the, the moments when, when it starts to be the, the, the family adventure movie. Like, the for example, the ending that the kid is hanging on from the net. And I was like, the fuck are you doing movie? Or when the when the when the film starts to pay play more service to to the child character Peter, give gives Peter his badass moment when he's like, "It's me, your Santa, and I vote vote Santa." Or when it gives Peter the chance to actually form the final plan that the heroes use to to fight off the the, the evil Krampus entity thing, and I was like. Can I just please tap my eyes quickly? You're onto something. That the tone, I'm fine with the tone jumping, but then take at least one or two tones and make something more out of it. I feel that the film is not spending a hell of a lot of time kind of building its tone. It could be like a stronger tone. Take the horror to the max or and then take it to the adventure family thing. First, it's kind of uh, boots on the ground, very very tonally grounded apart from all this crazy shit that is happening with the little helper but then it yeah it goes to the nets i think i'm okay with the the shifts i mean i guess it depends on what kind of movie you're trying to make and for me the fact that it's sort of a fantasy film it's sort of action it's sort of comedy it's sort of horror it's it's sort of all those things to me i'm fine with that as long as the film knows this is what this is. And it's not trying to be in earnest just one of those things and they, they're they fucking it up and making it these others. 
It reminded me in some ways of one of my favorite films of all time, uh, Death Becomes Her by Robert Zemeckis, which is sort of the same thing. It's a little bit of a fantasy. It's a little action. It's a little drama. It's a little, there's a musical number. I mean, <laughs> there's sort of everything in it. And I think as long as th- that's your intention is to sort of hit all those things, I'm fine with that. I, on my end, I, I don't really remember Death Becomes Her. I've seen it only once. I know it's a classic. But I've I've seen it only as a kid. It's a classic American film, which means Kari has not seen it. No, I haven't. (laughs) Perhaps we can check it out someday in in the podcast, because I, I too, could use a refresher or reminder on on Death Becomes Her. But I I do want to stress out that the the problem isn't outright the fact that it it chuckles around with the genres. Like, I don't want to sound Puritan here. And, and just lambast a movie because it it chooses to do more genres than just one or two. But something that may actually play a role with, with my somewhat hesitant attitude with with the with rare exports, it, it could be that I just didn't like the kid, the main kid, Peter. They weren't so good, kind of okay, passable. Yeah, and I I think that Peter as a as a character perhaps just annoyed me. Like, like he's essentially he's a he's a kid, and, and you are stuck with him, and he only speaks in in three modes. There's the cryptic riddles, and then there is the the film trailer quotation material, and then there is the the movie plot exposition machine, mm. who just immediately knows what is what and what everybody is trying to do because he reads a whole bunch of books during the opening credits. And he even goes and gives exposition to stuff that you basically can figure out on your own. You know what? I think the film also suffers from kind of invalidating or mellowing the main antagonist or what is kind of seems to be the main antagonist from Michigan. <laughs> Whatever the hell is going on with that thing. Maybe he ate the guy who was from Michigan. Uh, anyway, so... We, I would have been just fine if we, if they would have taken this little helper, helper, let's say, and this is the Santa, and that, that's it. But then you have this actual Santa that just does nothing there. Okay, focus shifted there, and the little helpers. Well, there's a lot of these little helpers with the little things. So, what is kind of the fulcrum of the film? What, what are we following? Yeah, a kind of yeah. Because the, the the backstory lore makes a huge ruckus about the, the main thing, which might be Krampus. Like, like the, the the lore that, that Peter uncovers in, in the opening credits, that's mostly about Krampus. And the the loric background or, or the loric elements of, of the plot, they revolve around Krampus. Uh, Peter puts heavy exposition on how Krampus became originally trapped inside the ice, why Krampus is inside of the mountain, the, the, the corporate bad guy wants Krampus out of the mountain, the, the little helpers kidnap the kids for Krampus, they try to, to melt Krampus out of the ice. It's Krampus, 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 and Krampus himself doesn't even appear in the movie outside of his two horns. Yeah, just taking the build up into the toilet. Yeah, and I guess the the reason why these are now why 
why most of the film or why why the the Santa characters, Santa quotation marks, are now subjugated into being little helpers is because the film feels or the story feels that it has to somehow justify the fact that there can be one million of these guys because the film has to end with the notion that our main heroes open up the rare exports incorporated the the, the business side and in the short films, Rare Exports Incorporated is the business that sells trained Santa Clauses all around around the world. So because of that, because you have to tie the ending of the movie into back into the short films, you need to somehow explain how there is almost 200 of, of these Santa Claus type of motherfuckers. And to do that... And, and to explain away how they can be, be here, they have to be some kind of a... Some type of hive mind horde that are psychically connected to Krampus. And you also need Krampus to be there so that the film can have, like, the main evil entity. It was short. One hour, twelve minutes. But I still felt that it was... I was looking at my watch if we want to go to the old categories that we had, had in quickies. Yeah, it was too long. I kind of had the same problem with it. And I, I think that that problem essentially stems from the fact that the film chuckles with, with so many different genres. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, this isn't a long film. So it, it's not like you have to sit on your ass for two hours. It's, it's less than 90 minutes in its mm. total running time. And it still feels that it's overly, overly long. And my best guess for why it it feels like that it's the, is that you connect with 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 certain genres that the film pulls off. For me, it was the dark fantasy, the dark comedy, and and the horror elements. And once you reach the the genre choices that do not work for you, then it starts to feel that the film is logging. Like I most definitely would have asked the ending and the action movie elements. I would have asked the kid Peter and just stick with the three grown-ups. And to once again harken this back to the original short films, I kind of feel that this is the same problem that the shorts also have. Like I do like more the, the first Rare Export short film and the safety safety instructions movie was never my favorite. And the safety instructions, in my opinion, kind of does the exact same thing. Or, the, or runs into the same problem as the feature film. Yeah. Because to, to compare, the, compare the, the, the two short films. The first one is very simple, extremely quick, obviously comedic. Like this type of a fake corporate presentation movie, a commercial film that you show to your customers that is being shot in documentaristic style and follows the, the three main leads, the three grown-ups as they, they hunt a, down a Santa Claus and then train him. That, that's the, the whole, whole first short film. And the second short film then, it, it starts as a comedy movie, kinda. You have the safety instructions which, uh, during which segment you are being shown what happens if you break against those instructions. Like, if you swear the Santa is gonna break out of its 
its box and attack you. And if Santa attacks you, play dead or or try to, you know, distract it with a gingerbread cookie. That's the comedy. But then the film goes into horror action film once it reached the point, well, now we are going to show you a real-life case, what happened when somebody did not follow our safety instructions. Yeah. And yeah. it, it kind of loses me. And the second short film also is the one that introduces the, the Peter character originally to the Rare Exports canon. Zach's thoughts on the short films quickly. I thought that they were... I thought they were fine. I think that anytime you're taking a short film and you're then going to expand that into a feature film, especially if you have the same creators involved. I think that that task is much more difficult um, because a short film usually is the, the best part of your idea. It's the best, it's the golden mm-hmm. nugget at the center of your idea that you can put into six minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, however long your short film is. Take notes, dumplings. and then yeah when you're then going to turn it into a feature you got to add shit you got you got to get to 90 minutes ish and yeah i think because of that because we can go back and watch the short films and watch the feature we can see oh i now see the parts that you added and it just feels superfluous unnecessary in certain parts and and I, I, I think that's the problem, but the, the, this is the, the part of the filmmaking industry that's so difficult is getting a feature made is very, very hard. And usually what filmmakers will do is they will make a shortened version of their film. It gets some attention, they get some money, and then they're told, now go make your feature. But it seems like that was maybe not what happened here, because typically you start with the idea of a feature, but you can't get it made. So you make the short to get the attention and the money so that you can go back and make the feature. So you don't have to go and add superfluous stuff to your short film. This, it seems like, no, it's always always a short film. And then maybe someone said, this is really great, turn it into a feature. And now they were forced to add a bunch of shit. But that's just my thought. Okay. So I think it's time for our... Wait a minute. Remember. Okay, found them. Found that also. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I guess it's time for our last film. If it we is must. the pick by yours truly. So, obviously, the best one. Mm. This, our, our closing feature for tonight, it's, it's the peak Finnish filmmaking coming from, from all the way from, from the north. It's funny the killer thing. I thought in appreciation of the Finnish films, I could go to Finnish accent for this one. Suits me well. <laughs> And I thought for this one, instead of only knowing uh, Hawaii Yola, I would say Tapa Minut Nyet. To give, give you guys some, some background on, on this pick. Please. Uh, yeah. I usually <laughs> don't don't pick these films for, for our episodes. It's Traditionally, it's Kari who, who make, makes the film. The, the decisions on what we are going to watch. Yeah. 
there are some times when Kari has dared me to choose a film for us to cover the, the last time, I guess. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was the Zombie Strippers episode. <coughs> Zombie Strippers. Which is a mistake that, that Kari regrets, regrets even today. Yes. And I I, I have been, I, I kind of like looking at it now. I can kind of understand why that is, why you, why that didn't work for you, because it's very heavy on the on the on the the front end, the the breast quality of things. <laughs> so me being being full of Christmas spirit, I was kind of thinking exactly how how to redeem this this situation. I hate you. <laughs> how to how to give something more for you guys, and and then the idea hit me. That of course, it's dicks. So much dicks and all types of dicks. You got you got small dicks, big dick, white dick, black dick. You got weird diseased, mutant, rapid dick. It's a smorgasbord of dick. I mean, you couldn't have accomplished the same thing by picking like boys' wet hot summer in Nova Scotia part three. But that wouldn't have been international <laughs> cinema. You proved. But it's from Nova Scotia. That's technic- <laughs> technically Canada, technically not the U.S., so it's foreign. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> maybe to surprise you all, I think this movie is the best out of this evening, even though I have my gripes. I mean, can you define best, and by what standard do you do you do you label it that? I cannot really formulate my thoughts in this accent, so I will have to switch. So. <laughs> um, I thought the first 10 minutes were quite fantastic. And uh, there was a little bit of a lull when it gets to the hour mark or so. Uh, I, I, I think it had a kind of a great idea and it just dragged it way too long. Yes, it's childish and I... Yes, I don't really like Finnish films that that think they are cool and international and borrow from the international sphere of films, specifically from America, and try to make their own spin of it. But hell, there were some laugh-out-loud moments here and there. I'll give you that one. Yeah, I definitely had more than a couple guffaws, we'll call them, um, where I just could not believe what my eyes were seeing. now now you now you see something that you haven't seen before and that's my gift to you oh i saw things i've never seen before oh that is that is a true statement (laughs) things i have never seen before and shall never see again (laughs) dumb crude and tasteless very, very finished when you let this kind of a kids run amok. A, a film, mind you guys, that has actually been premiered in in Cannes, which 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 is a high class festival where all, all the highbrow film people are, which makes this fine art. Oh, I assumed when you said it premiered in Cannes, I assumed you meant it was in Cannes, France, but it was in some guy's apartment being projected onto, like, a side wall. I think Henry Q mean canned. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's a bit too self-conscious the way that these films are made, and a bit too crude for, for my tastes. 
and really taking all the the quality cultural aspects of of Finland at least like 10 years ago or so and putting them all together in this mishmash where you have the the fucking guy who speaks like like this and <laughs> and has this black hat which says tuhma which is like mm, dirty or something <laughs> also at some point like there's sometimes they're speaking Finnish, sometimes they're speaking English, sometimes it's very heavily accented English, and sometimes there's subtitles for the English, even though they're speaking English. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. It, it, it's a multilingual cast. Come on. That mm, very. It, it, it's a it's a melting pot of cultures and ideas. A melting pot. And Zach, you're so wrong. That that redeeming quality in this film is not dicks. The redeeming quality in this is Vincent. Oh my god. Why is this little kid not checking off to this Vincent guy? Hot ass. <laughs> Thank you, Henrik, for this one. You are very welcome. Which one was that? The uh, supposedly Chinese guy. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <sighs> Take a breath over there. <sighs> he was okay. He was okay. More uh, than... To me, it, it, I almost... Okay, so I don't, I don't know if you've seen the American um, American Pie films here in, in the States. Yeah, they are very crude comedies, and I'm not fan. Yeah, so the same sort of, like, you know, crude comedy. The difference, though, is I feel like the American Pie films are made by actual filmmakers, and this was made by some guy with a handy cam and his friends over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. But yeah, what is really the difference, Henrik? This is the crude of the crudest. Well, it it, it opens new venues. And, and and since you are, you are someone who appreciates camera work and new inven- inventive camera angles and DP, <laughs> I think that this film got you covered in, in that. Okay, I, I appreciated the dick camera. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually pretty decently shot as far as i could tell with my very professional uh, uh. eyes yeah yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, but when i'm sorry but when he when he said you enjoy cinematography and camera work and dp do you mean director <laughs> of photography or are we talking about double penetration both at the same time both okay great okay just i wanted to make sure we were all on the same page you you got both here, the cinematography and the penetration. Yes. Okay. I mean, I have to say, it will haunt my nightmares for at least for at least a good two weeks of this of this mouth with these fucked up teeth just going pussy. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to wake up with like in, in shivers and like a cold sweat for the next week just thinking of that. <laughs> but but it, it, it's a question. It's a film that asks some of the fundamental questions. Does it? Like, for example, who has the biggest dick? Very, <laughs> very, very on the on the surface. That was a dick. All right. But speaking of dicks, have you heard of this other Finnish gem that was in theaters at least a little time ago? There were some absolute lambasting and hatred and vitriol towards the 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 Finnish Ule that is the Finnish tax money supported TV station that openly or I suppose largely supported this film where you have guys 
that are essentially dicks. They have like dick costumes on their heads, playing dicks. And it was, this was obviously some kind of a comedy. Hmm. We have some fas- fascination with dicks. I mean, who doesn't though? No, yeah, oh well. I did appreciate, which was kind of a, to be expected when it got to the, the, the full shot, the landscape shot of the old police car. There was a little bit of a pause and then kaboom. Great moment. Yeah, and, and speaking of the cops, the the long-haired police officer is actually, this is for Zack, he's, he's being played by a now-retired, pretty hotshot Finnish porn star, Henry Sari. Ah, oh, I missed that one. Is he do straight porn or gay porn? A straight porn. Mm. I have not been following his career then. Well, even during his high heydays, I think that not that many people in Finland followed it either. What What's this holopining guy from Nightwish who plays guitar or whatever? Was he in the film? Looked like him. Uh, he was not. But what we did have well, is is the Finnish rapper Petri Nygård. Oh, I missed that too. Okay. It's in once they... At the very end of the film, once they... Bust open the sex racket that has been going on, and there is that one dude with a hat who st- who runs away and gets shot in the head. That's Petri Nygård. But I believe we didn't have the real Lara Jessica Svensson. I haven't followed this person at all. I have no idea who she is, but apparently hot shit in Sweden. I'm actually not entirely certain about the real Sarah Jessica Swenson, because the extra features does have Swenson's music video. Did you hang out with the movie after the end credits? Because it goes on a little bit further. Oh, I I, I did not bad allow boy. myself to to enjoy that. No, I did not. Bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> I, I saw the credits begin and I, I closed the computer. Come Go. on, man. You, you are always supposed to watch the end credits because everyone who gets credited their is someone who has something to do with the film. Especially mm. when there's dark metal or what is this? <laughs> so Finnish. Yeah, Zach, you also missed in some prime Finnish music. Mm. I, I, again, another reason I won't be sleeping for the next few days. I'll, um, <laughs> I'm so upset that I that I missed out on that. I'm going to have to go back. Yeah, but... Well, it, it, it just means that you have to check the film for a second time. Because the after this credit sequence, it, it kind of a it it hints at a larger canon or a cinematic universe behind the scenes. So we're gonna get more of these films. We're gonna have like a Hopefully, Marvel cinematic. Yes. We're gonna have a bunny cinematic universe. I have no fucking idea what's going on after the end credits. But the, there's bunnies and and in the middle of the film, you have the the, the guys fucking some kind of bunnies. Are they also the big dick killer bunny bunnies? Or what the hell is going on in this film? At least the Chekhov gets the lady in the end. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, we just we just ruined it now. You <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> now people are not gonna watch the film. <laughs> but I don't think there's gonna be many people finding it. Henrik had to go to some troubles to find it. Where, where did you get it? Even? <laughs> what kind of organization sells this film? I, I, I actually, like, there's a, there's a really small distribution company that runs the distribution for this one and some other Finnish underground movies. It's not that large. The catalog that they have 
is not enormous. But the, the biggest ticket that they have at the moment, I guess, guess is the distribution of the Finnish superhero movie Rendell. Mm. But anyways, yeah, I actually ordered my copy straight from the distribution company. I have to ask, how much was it? Not not that, that much, actually. It it was it was ten bucks, uh, then ten euros plus mm. shipping, so thirteen in total. Okay, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we know Zach. You were able to watch it on Amazon. I hate you guys. I want the Amazon US. Hey, Amen. Yeah. S- some good shit there. Like mm-hmm. for example, Pan is a killer thing. <laughs> hey, all you gotta do is um. You know, just leave the EU and come to the states where you have to pay for your own health care. Or you just and, give, uh, give, give me your username and password, please. <laughs> could, I mean, I think it, you would appreciate it more if you had to pay for your own health care and you had to walk around in constant fear that some white guy had a gun in his pocket and was going to shoot up a movie theater. <laughs> uh, dark. And that we were on, like, knocking on the door of getting of uh, abolishing democracy and becoming an authoritarian regime. It's fun here, guys! <laughs> but yeah. Vincent, Vincent. <sighs> Am I saying that right? Tapa minute nyt? Tapa minute nyt. Tapa minute nyt. Yeah, nyt. Yeah, well, well, welcome to this motley crew, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so I, I have no idea what's basically going on, but I had some big laughs every now and then. And that's saying something. I'm not really always into this, but this worked on some level. Yeah. Here's a question. The kid in the beginning who's jerking off to the picture... Who carries around a picture with a piece of tape that they can put on the wall <laughs> in front of them? Yeah, someone who doesn't have internet subscription in the north. <laughs> like, wh- why not just hold the picture in your left hand, if you're a righty? Why not just hold the picture in your other hand? Be- because you, you, you need your left hand to tickle your balls while you're check- checking off. Oh, Obviously. that's true. Or you can put the other finger, you know, onto the second section. <laughs> Say what? Put it onto the second section? It's called a butthole. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yes! This, yes. This, this tells a lot about, about the sexual education in America that Zach has to learn about these things in the film, film podcast. What are we talking about again? I have no idea. Well, what, what, what we are talking about are the raw statistics. Since, as we all remember, the Flick Lab started off as a podcast that played heavy, heavy eyed to the, the actual science that happens in the films. Hmm. I think yeah, we're getting sen- a little sen- bit sloppy with the science here lately. We actually have. But, but what, what we have not been sloppy with is the uh, basically the theological questions, which is something that also Bunny the Killer thing the film asks from you. What theological questions does the bunny ask me? Well, you you do notice that the attacks that Bunny does in course of the film they are not so much like rape as they are more of necrophilia, since Bunny mostly kills his victims before you know. <clears throat> anything sexual happens and 
seeing how, uh, as we already mentioned, Finnish, uh, Finland is pretty much a Lutheran country, so Christianity and its core ideas are very, very heavily inside the Finnish culture. Yeah, this including the the whole concept of of the immortal soul and that soul's connection to the physical, the body. So, in in course of his actions uh, or his attacks, Bunny and therefore the film they ask, what is the relationship of the soul to the body? And from that it derives the question: Can that soul give consent? Ah, uh, Henrik, Christmas episode. <laughs> We're not gonna give like big, <laughs> big breakdowns of this film, surely. <laughs> I, 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 I think there's a lot to, to discuss and, and uncover in Buddy the Killer thing. It, it, it's kind of a modernistic masterpiece, if you ask me. Uh, I, um, mm, eh, well, I don't know if I would use the word masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would using use it slightly sparingly. It's true that that there's a killer dick. It's, you can read something in the masculinity or or the the lack of such in the film and what it, what the fuck is going on in the mind of this director. But you can actually honestly you can pick up a theme of well kind of weaponized sexuality. Yeah. And sexual violence. Yeah, it gets pretty dark when I don't know if it's necrophilia at that point, but that one lady friend who seems to be into girls gets kind of <clears throat> inserted object in, into butts somewhere in the in the between when he's she's leaving this world. That was quite an original kill. This was quite an original film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how how many times you actually see? A person being first beaten up and then stabbed by his own severed penis. I mean, I I can say with confidence, I don't see that very often. Precisely. And when you think about it, seeing how our previous stabbing film was Halloween Kills, would this actually be something that would have made Halloween Kills a better movie? In what sense? Michael Myers killing people with penis? That and Michael Myers being killed by a penis. But no many patterns if it gets spiritual something. Okay. Yeah. Thanks guys. It was fun. Do we wanna do uh <laughs> Yeah, next Christmas something from Germany. <laughs> do we wanna do quickies? Yeah, of course. So that that's the first one. Let's uh, let's start with once again with the quick questions. So gang the special mention for an actor goes to who? Uh, I'm I'm gonna give it to Oni Tomila. I'm butchering it. Okay. I'm sorry. Oni Tomila. Tomila. Yeah. Okay. For me, Vincent Chang playing Vincent. That was kind of given. I must must tell you. I got shivers. Oof. And from my end, and this. Also goes to rare exports. It's Tommy Korpela who played the everybody ever the translator guy in in rare exports. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, that guy who appears in everything ever on Finnish TV. He is uh, from from rare exports. 
podcast, he's perhaps the most well-known of. Right after Jasper Pakkonen, maybe one of the most famous Finnish names. If you've seen a Finnish, Finnish film, you've probably seen Jasper Pakkonen in a role. We haven't got to the, the, this place yet, somehow. Uh, these days, yeah, Jasper Pakkonen really is a Finnish hot ticket. Your special mention to an actor goes to... Who? I'm going to give this one to Randy Quaid, who plays Cousin Eddie, because he's so fucking stupid that I actually That's think it's like actually... Randy Quaid in real life. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. He's just so stupid, and he just can't... He's just a fucking idiot. And I just... We've all got one in our family. There, You know, there's always some distant cousin or uncle or something that just... He's a fucking idiot. But he's family, so we sort of have to love him. So, I give it to Randy Quaid. Well, I, I'm only thinking about Vincent Sang. Vincent Sang. Call me, baby. <laughs> who Who knows? You know, Panetta Clear thing is is still unfortunately so obscure film that perhaps simply us highlighting it in the podcast is enough that it will, you know, rise up in his radar. Hopefully that's not the only thing that rises up. I also will continue here with, with our finish selection. My like special shout out or bring attention, it goes to Matti Kiviniemi, who plays the titular Pani. The killer thing and makes a hell of a work behind be, from behind a full body shoot costume. That helicopter did have a, quite a bit of range. Yeah, and and there is something in the vocal performance. I wonder if that was the heavy metal band. <laughs> but but speaking of of bands, uh, what actually resonated most with you guys? Um, I think what resonated the most with me was that typically American Christmas films and Finnish Christmas films are very different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say American films are still more careful and more polished, not not so rough and so unexpected and rude and crude and vulgar as the Finnish side of things. Yeah. Yeah, they are almost like a conveyor belt made. But for me, mm, I guess the, the highlighting of the, the certain taboos or traditions that we have and kind of pl- having fun with them. Yeah, and to me, it's Sarah, Sarah Jessica Svensson. Perhaps the best thing ever to come out of Sweden. So in, in one adjective, how would you describe today's films? <laughs> <laughs> They're so different. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to pick one adjective that really encompasses all three. <laughs> it's like saying watch Cannibal Holocaust and then watch Bambi. <laughs> they both have meat products in them. <laughs> well, then I'll say then I'll say snowy, festive, and I say vigorating. Each one of them in a different way. Uh, did you guys have any favorite quotes? Yeah. I'm stuck between two. One is from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and it's a classic. Shitter's full, 
when he's trying to empty out the septic tank from the RV. He just yells to the neighbors, shitter's full. That one. And then, of course, the classic, which should be recognized by the American Film Association or something. (laughs) For preservation. Pussy. (laughs) I'll go with the same thematics. Mitä helvettiä sä oikein ajattelet? Pillua. <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? Pussy? <laughs> Dirty pussy, more specifically. So, what what do you think? Do these films have any staying power or legacy? I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for your own country, Zag. <laughs> Lampoon, yes. Rest. No, I think I think Bunny the Killer thing actually could have some staying power, but not for the reasons that it should. Underground staying power, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation that already is an institution on itself, on its own. I don't know if if it deserves that spotlight, but you know, if nothing else, you know, America will carry that movie from. The day it was originally made to the whole destruction of the entire planet. So we we can't ever truly escape its shadow. Uh, rare exports. I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant here. I don't think that the feature film will have as strong of a le- legacy as the first of the short films. But it still might have... Like, it's, it's a decently made movie, and there is a strong, I, I would say, foundation upon which the film can build up a cult following. It has enough international reach, it has enough credits being given to it, that it can actually become something. And Bunny the Killer thing, unfortunately... Not even though it has actually had a pretty significant film festival circuit behind it, and it it has win awards from different festivals, but it unfortunately it it got butchered by the, the Finnish film critics upon its release in in one of the big unjustified legal murders that happens in Finnish film critic circles. So that may unfortunately cut Bunny's wings too short and kind of buried in the obscurity. Mm. But to get into the heavier questions and the, the million dollar question category of, of our podcast. Guys, did you like Today's lineup of the movies. I mean, I know that you did, but exactly how much? <sighs> I um, l- liked Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I Ooh. liked, um, not as much, but liked Rare Exports. And I thought Bunny the Killer thing was pretty terrible but in some ways it was so terrible i i sort of have a a fondness for it and like oh my god that movie was so bad like it it's almost so bad that it's good (laughs) bunny the killer thing the first idea that you might 
kind of build ar- around this film is that yeah, it's one of those really, really, really shit films that just try to be funny and just try to kind of ride on that funniness. But I think it's a little, it's quite a bit better than many of those. I did enjoy it in parts, but it just didn't carry it all the way through. Quite a great effort still for but why are we why is it the dick why is the dick killer bunny killer with the big dick why, why, why finland why, why what is not? wrong with you finland why do you do these things we we are just not afraid of the penis it's that simple uh, but it's still my top pick out of this <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> props for originality to an extent yeah that is God true props for originality <laughs> National Lampoon. I'm sorry, Zach. No, no win. No win. No offense taken. Yeah, it's a bit too soft to my tastes. <laughs> oh God, of all the things I I thought that I'm going to really hate this Henrik's pick. But when the film started rolling, like the first two, three minutes and the starting credits. Okay, I was on board. This is so Henrik. It's so bonkers. And it's so Henrik. I was like... Yeah, it's a bit on the zombie strippers territory, but I think where zombie strippers didn't really pull all the punches, or maybe something was lost in the translation, I had at least a little bit of fun with Bunny. I mean, when you say the phrase, this film is so Henrik, what does that mean exactly? (laughs) (laughs) Very hard to describe. Uh, but but this... it, it, it means that I'm a man of culture. Well, usually what Henrik picks or what I had had some complaints about <laughs> is is the crudeness, uh, the shittiness of the films. Very underground nature, but shitty. Really rough around the edges appearance, but then has some genuinely funny moments as well. Uh, yeah, I've got a film to recommend for you, Henrik. Then which is. Oh, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> okay, rare exports. It wasn't as as effective as it could have been. It's kind of kind of diluted. So uh, no, I'm gonna be a little savage here, and no, and the only one that I'm actually gonna recommend is Bunny, the penis killer, or the thing, <laughs> or what do you call it? Yeah, me on on my end. <laughs> Shit. <clears throat> Well, yeah, um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, it just didn't work for me, unfortunately. Uh, this might be the fact that Christmas Vacation, especially when it comes to American film criticism, or the, the critic circles in, in America, which is where we Finns also get a hell of a lot of our film criticism from, uh, Christmas Vacation is painted out to be uh, some some type of a cinematic institution. I was a bit underwhelmed by the movie. Was it completely worthless? No, it, it wasn't. There, there was some like completely and and utterly hilarious gags that that really did show me what the film could be on its best note. But unfortunately, the film itself does not stick to this critical nature of Christmas. At the end of the day, it it kind of uh, forgives Christmas and shares in the celebration. And I was somewhat disappointed by that. 
Rare exports, like already mentioned, uh, I did have a trouble with uh, some of the paths that the film takes. Could it have been a stronger movie? Yeah, yeah, it could have. But then again, when it comes to the horror movie qualities, or when it comes to the dark comedy roots of the film, those I really did enjoy. So Rare Exports is in 50-50 category for me. Bunny the Killer Thing is an obvious masterpiece and some of the best filmmaking ever come from Finland. So of course I liked it. I mean, bloody hell, I I even went on and and bought myself the two DVD uh, collector's edition version of the movie. Yeah, that tells you a lot about the quality of Finnish films in general, if this is a classic. it's It's an absolute classic. But how about you guys? Would you watch these films again? No, no need. <laughs> Even though I recommend kind of for the batshit crazy experience, the bunny one. Uh, I mean, I'm probably going to watch Christmas Vacation again, just because it's such a tradition. But, I mean, I... God almighty, Henrik, I hate you. I'm probably going to watch <laughs> Bunny again. I'm probably going to watch it again. I, I might rope my husband into it and just say, like, look, hon, just trust me, just for me. Just will you sit down for 90 minutes and just watch this? When the turkey is in the oven and the family is gathered all around the table. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and your husband will thank you for the experience that you have given to him. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some reenactment of one of us running around the apartment scared dickless after we watch that. And me on my end... When it comes to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, most likely not. Most heavily, I believe, heavily relies on on the the cultural difference between us and and you, Zach, or or between us and U.S. Yeah, Henrik, or is it just the, the kind of a feeling that Zach has built around the movie because it has been around and with him for a long time and playing around in, on TV on different occasions and you know you have a special connection to this r- film right yeah yeah precisely yeah. because of that yeah like i i fully understand Zach's commitment to christmas vacation but as someone who does not have that growing up in in, in the shadow of all these talks about this really great christmas comedy and now having seen it, I am a bit disappointed and I most likely will not revisit Christmas Vacation. I'm sorry, Zach. No offense. Yeah. Rare exports. I do remember that I was pretty hostile after my first viewing towards the film. Ooh. And felt that it was just, you know, lost potential. Now, having grown up a bit, checking it out for the second time, I understand where my original opinion stemmed for, but at the same time, perhaps now because of this this more grown-up perspective towards the movie, I also can see the elements that I like. I do think that the film holds, holds up to relatively strong. It's not going to be 
a Christmas institution for me. I won't necessarily be checking out again. Like like my hostility towards rare exports has lessened. Or I know that I will check it out. It's question. It, it's a question of when. And Bunny the killer, killer Thing, on the other hand, that's an obvious yes. Of course. I mean, I already have the DVD. So, what about you guys? Uh, how are you going to share your recommendations for today's li- lineup? I would recommend... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for people who perhaps want to see what a very conspicuous consumption Americanized Christmas can look like. Or if you are an American who grew up watching it every Christmas, then yeah, keep watching it. But that would that would be it. Um, <laughs> what? What? No rare exports. I, I, I no rare exports. I would say if you if you're into Krampus and you want a Krampus style film. Go for it. It might still not be for you, but you can give it a try. And yeah, that's the conclusion of my recommendations. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, I would say you can give Bunny a try if you <laughs> want that kind of rabble-rousing, just off-the-walls hilarity. Then I'd say, sure, give it a shot. And there we have it. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Lampoon, as kind of previously stated, uh, skip. Um, rare exports skip largely. Bunny the killer thing. Yes, I would recommend it. For the experience. Not for everyone. I wouldn't recommend it for my grandmother, but you know. <laughs> I, I, I would most definitely recommend it to your grandmother, Cody, because my own is at grave already. Uh, you horrible beast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from my end, the recommendations go... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, I must say, skip. Rare Exports is actually my strongest recommendation of today. It is a mixed bag. It's just a film that identity is kind of all over the place. Just to drop in and say hi to Krampus, which I much prefer, actually. Uh, Krampus, now now that you mention it, it, it is a better Krampus movie. It's a better Christmas movie, also. Yeah. But but still, yeah. A recommendation for for rare exports, and also a somewhat lukewarm recommendation towards Bunny the Killer Thing. I, on my end, I really do like the film. Like like Carrie said, it's very crude. It's it's very rough around the edges, but it it's something that I appreciate every now and then in my film choices so therefore kind of easy recommendation for me because of its off the wars quality and because of the because of its nature of of something that you don't see every day and also that the crude humor it kind of just worked for me in in this film's case I th- therefore I do recommend it, but at the same time I do have to acknowledge the fact that it's necessarily it's not for you. Uh, there are a bunch of sexual overtones that, especially today in post Me Too era, are <clears throat> somewhat s- shall we say problematic. Uh-huh. And I can't even promise that you should actually see it. 
So, kind of, eh, recommendation. But it's a killer thing itself being made in 2015, so, <clears throat> still, uh, <clears throat> you, you can, you can perhaps ask questions like, what the hell is going on with, with the director's mind? Regarding the, 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 the whole discussion on referring to black people in certain ways and representing black people in certain ways in the end. <laughs> um, uh, presenting black people in certain way, ways also, even though this is pre-me too, but, but still, it, it is sexual assault. Yeah, the director wants to be kind of all out crazy and address everything. And yeah, this back asswoods guy who has never seen a black person and trying to make it, I guess, into some sort of a funny context. But who are you in a dangerous territory there, boy? And uh, it wasn't, it was more <laughs> awkward to me. Yeah. And and I, I must say, hmm. the, the, can, can I call you Mr. Black scene? Yikes. Uh, it, it sticks very much with the director Jonas Makkonen's like driving motive. He wanted to make a film that hasn't been made before. And he wanted to be outlandish. Mm-hmm. And on that regard, he, he does succeed. While it does that, and as much as I appreciate the movie for pushing the boundaries and just being out there, that the fact unfortunately remains that some of the frontiers that the film goes into are just just bit yikes. What about Zack? You, you know, this was it really yikes for you as an American or or, or as a Zack? There was a lot of yikes. I mean, the Bunny film is definitely trying to push everything. So at some point, you're going to even push f- things that are definitely more dangerous. Mm. Yeah, it was yikes. But what else is to be expected? <laughs> uh, kind of yeah. It, it's kind of the the situation where you you have a you have a hot stove and you you put your hand on the stove. Obviously, you are going to get your hand burned in the process at some point. But there is also the moment when everybody in the room, if they are drunk enough, can admire. The, the bravery that you showed. It's uh, very much the same attitude that, or, or the same feeling that I have something like towards South Park, which does the, the same thing. The difference being that South Park can use these moments, even the yikes moments that it has to, to derive a deeper social commentary. Yeah, almost surrealistic or surrealism in some ideas. Uh, some I- in some ideas and in some moments, yeah, and it's it's not like completely worthless in in its art history. There is also some clever work, for example, in in the grocery store scene with the depth of field, where they push the background of the store uh, kind of so far and so far away from the characters that they that, that the environment itself becomes alienating. And I, I do think that that's artistic-wise, that's pretty good camera work and pretty good direction when it comes to directing camera. When we did Cannibal Holocaust, you two raised a, an, an huge point about the animal cruelty. And Buddy the Killer thing is cruelty by 
the animal. Oh my god. <laughs> you did not just make that comparison. Oh my god. Henrik, do you want to... Henrik, help us out. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's it for our Christmas festivities. I hope you, dear listeners, enjoyed this one. Enjoyed the lineup of the movies. I know that we sure as hell did. And I, I take no, no, any voicing of objections to that. Thank you, Zach. But with that out of, out of the way, dear listener, would you recommend Bunny the Killer Thing and other movies of tonight? Please let us know in the social media. Especially if it's raising approvals towards Bunny the Killer Thing. And with that out of the way, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And Merry Christmas. That's it. Hyvää joulua. Hyvää uutta vuotta. Vaiola. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. Joyeux Noël. Yeah. Muistakaa perhe kirvesä meille. Kujul. Tapa minut miet. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a verbal assassin and physical monk. <laughs> okay. Well, at some point, if the two of you can get your asses to the states, I will do some severe cooking for the two of you. Am I included? I said you two, your asses. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Unle- unless unless Henrik's got two, two asses. asses. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Henrik and his girlfriend. Oh, fuck her. No. <laughs> <laughs> my, my sentiments exactly. No, it's going to be a sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. It's also yeah. food oh. that I've never understood. Yeah, that's a big thing. I, I don't personally eat it. I don't eat a lot of cheese, but it is a big thing in America. And Budweiser. <laughs> Again, not something I personally partake, but yes, it is a big thing in America. Well, I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna say National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a is a bad film. <laughs> I actually do have to take a short break here. Okay. Because I have to go and put the I I have like the sword of reindeer head, and I have to. Stick it to the oven. <laughs> I'm gonna go grab my water. So if if we take and I, I at the same time I also can ca- grab a couple of more beers from the fridge. All right, are we taking ten? You go put your roast beef in the oven and grab a beer. I go put my meat in the oven. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> not, not that I'm meat. Not, God damn it! I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> Don't slam the door on it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, see you in ten. See you in ten. See you in ten. Oh, don't look at me, you horrid fuck. Just get in the fucking oven. <laughs> <laughs>